have your sports curiosity cured. So it's Jake Wallman with the game on his stick. On to Smith. reporting game for over 25 years. Absolute unreal stuff in the desert for Nick Taylor. Another playoff win. Breaking down Edmonton's favorite teams. Can only feel the number of people out there being like, what's going on? First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carrius Show. for Seoul 110, February 12th. Another gorgeous day coming up in the City of Champions. Minus six right now. Looking for a high of about even, plus one. And uh, thanks so much for uh, checking in with us this morning on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 on your AM dial. And of course, we're streaming on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, and uh, sports1440.ca. If you miss any parts of the show, you can always catch up by searching Kevin Carey Show on the Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Be sure to subscribe and then uh, select the old auto-download so you never miss a second of the show. Man, don't even know where to start. It's one of those days where you go, so many things happen in the last 12 hours that you go, holy smokes, where do we go? Uh, of course, Kansas City Chiefs with the Super Bowl victory over the San Francisco 49ers, 25-22 in overtime. Where does this Super Bowl rank for you? Is it in the top 10? Maybe because it went to overtime because of the instance of how it happened and uh, just the uh, Kansas City coming back again, winning three out of the last five Super Bowls, three come from behind victories. Where does it rank for you? Is it a dynasty? Probably. Yes, it is a dynasty because of how tough it is to win. Send us off a text. one 1440 How was your Super Bowl night? And then while everyone's talking about Taylor, as in Taylor Swift, we're focusing probably on the wrong Taylor because Nick Taylor, the Canadian, wins the WM Phoenix Open. And just the way he won it. Simply remarkable to come back and make the birdies go to the playoff and uh, come out on top uh, on, on one of the biggest stages in golf. So it was a great 12 hours or so uh, when you look at it uh, in the last 12 hours and everything wrapped up around supper time, I guess, around that time with 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 Nick Taylor winning. And then that's when the Super Bowl really started. Got off to a slow start in the first quarter. Really some, um, the the execution, the turnovers, really kind of got, it took a while for the game to find its footing. But then after the, after the Jawan Jennings touchdown pass, that's where it gained some traction. Saw the halftime show and then the second half was exciting. It was 
it was a, a game where it was going back and forth and there were some still questionable coaching decisions. We'll get to a lot of that. Kyle Shanahan, you know, taking the ball in overtime. He says that we wanted it on the third possession. We wanted to make sure we had the ball on the third possession. But when you you win the coin toss and you you take the ball, aren't you kind of setting up the other team to succeed a little bit more on how they can decide how the game is going to be run on their possession because they know if you either A, kick a field goal, B, get a touchdown, C, don't get any points, now you know how exactly you are going to game plan for your possession. Specifically, third and fourth down. Because let's just say let's just say San Fran would have scored a touchdown. Well, now you know they are in four-down territory right from the get-go. They're technically in four-down territory with the field goal that San Fran kicked in overtime. You know you are in four-down territory right off the hop. So that's always going to come into question. Kyle Shanahan's getting a lot of heat, a lot of heat this morning. His three Super Bowls that he's been a head coach or offensive coordinator – Outscored 68-12 to 12 in the fourth quarter and overtime. That's a big, big differential. Three rings, three MVPs for Patrick Mahomes. Where does he rank in the quarterbacks of all time? We talked on this last week. We had an in or out. The Duke threw it out there. Where does he rank? To me, he's still just a hair behind Joe Montana right now. Just a hair behind. But, man... No team in NFL history has ever won three Super Bowls in a row. Kansas City Chiefs have a chance to do that. Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, four. Four Super Bowl rings. Of course, Tom Brady with seven and Patrick Mahomes with three. He's the the quarterback with the fewest games to 40 postseason touchdowns. 18 games. Aaron Rodgers, 19. How'd you make out, everybody, on your little Super Bowl bets? Send us in a text, 1-833-401-1440. Was it a, a successful night for you? The Duke of Delburn always, uh, how do we say, sprinkles in here and there. How'd you make out Duke yesterday? It was a great afternoon, Kevin. Uh, yeah. the, the game, like you said, kind of off to a slow start, but it really ramped up and gave us, uh, it'll probably go, you know, it's an instant classic. Anytime you have a championship game go to overtime, regardless of, how you got there, maybe mm-hmm. you kind of forget about the start of the game a little bit. Um, on the betting side, yeah, I came out a little bit ahead by the time it was all said and done. Uh, a lot of losses on some, you know, those fun little prop bets that you love to mix in. But a, Was there a, couple, a crazier one that you did on a, on a prop bet? Uh, maybe, well, I don't know about the crate. Like, I, I had this, there was one, it was a, a pre-made parlay that it was like both teams to score a rushing and a passing touchdown in each half which doesn't seem that outlandish. I mean, it is now looking back at how slow that first yeah. half was, but there were some really good odds on that. There were some ludicrous, no pun intended, uh, from the <laughs> halftime show things that I saw, including like the at a plus 100,000, aliens invade Las Vegas. And I the saw game, you post and that. And the game ends in a tie. So <laughs> I did not put anything on that. I also did not sprinkle the other half of that uh, the tweet that I had, which oh, was that one, that um, the 49ers win and post game Taylor Swift is seen kissing George Kittle. See, yeah, that, I, I I looked at that one. <laughs> those, too, but, yeah. You're telling me that those two things that I just laid out are off are going off at the same odds. Yeah, <laughs> one, I think the other one should be a little higher. No, <laughs> but, I don't know. Well, it should be both astronomical. But I thought. Um, 
I was saying to to the family when we were just at the t- at the end. In my mind, and Patrick Mahomes did it. It's the third time now. You know, we're going to Disneyland, right? Mm-hmm. Don't you think that like Disneyland missed out on on Kelsey and Swifty going? Uh, we're going to Disneyland like that. The, the difference between that and the Mahomes family doing it. I don't know. Like uh, to me, that doesn't really like land anymore. Like I, I don't. I get it, but but Swifty's doing it. With yeah. with Kelsey, we're going to Disneyland. Maybe Taylor Swift has a feud with like Disney. Maybe she does. She's got beef with a lot of a lot yeah. of people, a lot of groups. But again, the, we're talking about the wrong Taylor when we are talking about what happened yesterday. It, Nick, it's so funny, Nick Taylor. Wow. I, I watched the tournament all weekend. Yep. I, I basically didn't leave my couch on Saturday, and of course that action was you know marred by ray, uh, weather delays. They kind of resume or finish up round three on Sunday morning. So that made that made for great pre Super Bowl viewing because you basically got two oh. free rounds of golf and in before it, and then you had to flick it off over to kickoff just as kind of things are hitting the home stretch. So we were at first round. Gregor was there. We were at first round yesterday, and. You know, of course, every TV in there is on the Super Bowl, but they had two little small... Corner there's, ones. There's 100 TVs in there, right? Yeah. At first round, we're at the 104 location. And uh, Levers was there putting together his little Super Bowl, little, uh, you know, $20 uh, squares and the whole bit. And uh, But I kind of found myself during, you know, the first quarter, walking over towards the bar to watch, to get a closer look at the golf. Yeah. Just because of what was going on. Well, it was, like it was a great, great finish by um, oh Jesus name uh, Hoffman, Hoffman, yeah, Charlie, uh, Charlie. the, the yeah. waste management guy, right? Uh, decked out in his green and his green glove and everything. He had a great day to he's get himself to that point. Seventeen years he's been with WM, right? So, know? so that I think that would have been a very uh, fine storybook finish as well. But I, I think there weren't uh, many people north of the border here that weren't obviously on the side of Nick Taylor. Yeah. We saw what he did at the uh, the Canadian Open last year, and then uh, and another another multi playoff. <laughs> win for him just with everything going on too duke i didn't see nick taylor's post presser his news conference and i'm I'm wondering if he ever did get the question what victory means more to you is this a bigger win than the canadian open Mm -hmm. is it i i think it is even though the canadian open is you know 50 plus years since the canadian won that and it's his home tournament but this is Again, it's it's you almost said like you you called it the fifth major. I think uh, to it's, me it's number six. I think on people's viewing uh, yeah. cards for the year, like fans and maybe some players too. I think it's uh, it's, yeah, def- it's definitely right a conversation. There. But again, t- with everything that happened yesterday and the way the the weekend went for him to win that, I mean that was pretty cool. It was a cool thing to watch. Scheffler uh, like the furious charge, and then uh, just kind of uh, you know wasn't quite there at the end. But. You know, and I mean it was all the and together. Gala was in and you know they had so many guys that were up and down and and then Taylor kind of fell off and Hoffman got hot but for Taylor to birdie all the whole like I mean to birdie 16 and he needed to birdie 16 obviously 17 you know whatever and then has to birdie 18 to get to the playoff yeah and it just it just dives in on the left edge Uh, text coming in 1833-401-1440 Dougie says Loved watching the WM golf tourney. Was really afraid Taylor's driver was going to cost him because of his short game and putter were just pawn shop hot. Uh, it goes to show you the big drivers don't always win in this game. Also, the NFL experience goes a long way towards uh, game-winning drives. Old school hockey, Doug. Spaghetti goes, residence Chiefs ha- hater. Have to give the team credit. It was a great game. Officiating was surprisingly not terrible either. They really put the flags away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Archie says it was a... 
bad game with a good finish, kind of what we started off the top. But it just took a while to, maybe it's just because everyone's so hyped and you're so jacked up. You've been stewing on this for two weeks. You have game plans this, game plans that. And then when, you know, even like a, how about coming out of the second half? Chiefs get the ball and a little toss to Pacheco. Yeah. And you're going, whoa, come on, man. And then the interception. It's, and it's, I mean, it's, they, they, like at no point anybody should have thought the Chiefs throw this game as long as it within was within basically the 10-point margin. Because like a touchdown is is no no problem for a team like this. I don't yeah. care if the – and I, I've been dogging them all year about the receivers and drops – but like this is a this is a team with championship pedigree and the best quarterback on the planet right now. So even with those couple mistakes to start the second half, the the Niners didn't really, you know, put the foot on the throat and no. bury him. And like think about everything. Like Kelsey bumping into Andy Reid, not bumping, like kind of bull, <laughs> Get, bullying, getting into it with bullying him a into bit. Andy Reid. If that if they lose the game, now that's a big big headline. Oh, but you sure. figure like I mean, he he never got the ball. He wasn't even part of the game. And then he gets part of the game, and they, one, they one, mo- one catch for one yard on one in target the, in the first, the first half, half. and uh, his finishing line was well over fifty. A uh, handful of catches. Yeah, seven it. or six catches. Uh, final line for Mister Travis Kelsey: nine receptions, nine. ninety-three it, yards. Okay, yeah, so it yeah. even right. Well, I mean, that he was last a big, one, big part yeah. of the last couple drives, right? So yeah, the last ca- the last drive there, and the, yeah, so seven. But I mean, even to have seven or eight catches in the second half compared to the first half, uh, Rasheed Rice was pretty well non-existent. He came up with a couple, yeah. couple like I yeah. said, six receptions for 39 yards. Don't pop off, but a couple of them were to convert uh, big first downs and things because he, he is their best receiver. Yeah. Um, of course, we saw MVS with a touchdown. McCole um, Hardman with the, the game-winning grab, of course. And Everyone's not happy about Tony. As I did interrupt you just now, Tony Romo just oh, stepping all over. Classic Jim, Tony Romo. Just, you know, the, I'll tell you let this, it Kevin, breathe, man. on Twitter, yeah. and it, where, where, of course, I was uh, quite heavily uh, – uh, Involved post game, you know, seeing what everyone had to say afterwards. Stuff. There was just as much discussion about Tony Romo as yesterday's color commentator as there was <laughs> about anything that happened during the game. Yeah, and I was a big, like, big uh, uh, supporter and like a fan of Tony Romo when he first started this gig. I don't think he's the same type of broadcaster as he was when he first started. I don't know if he's trying too hard or maybe not trying as hard anymore. But like now he's it's different. He's he's a different type of color guy, and I mean Jim mm-hmm. Nance is is class act as it gets, and he still gets in a great call. But yeah, right in the moment, you just you can even hear it in the intro. Like I played just, just a little. Yeah, that's Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Yeah. Appreciate it. So we got a busy show, as you can imagine. Uh, David Alter from the Hockey News will be our guest right off the hop at uh, seven twenty. Eddie Steele coming in to talk Super Bowl. Not coming in, but he'll be uh, on the horn at 7.40. Lorianne Munzer will be our co-host, as usual, on Monday mornings. And Lorianne's brought in Steve Bauer at 8.40, the Olympic cyclist. And uh, Mark Spector, of course, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Duke, but we're putting Speck back at the 8 o'clock hour uh, after his 9 o'clock. Everyone reset your uh, <laughs> weekly alarms. Your Speck alarm. 8 o'clock, mountain time. Back to <laughs> regularly uh, scheduled viewing. Uh, Matt Devlin, Toronto Raptors play-by-play man, will be with us at 9.20. And then, I mean, one of the best in the business. I can't believe you got her. Shereen Williams from uh, Pro Football Focus in the uh, Football Hall of Fame. One of the best writers uh, in the NFL will uh, you know, put a bowl on the Super Bowl and uh, the Chiefs winning 25-22 over San Fran. Uh, one quick note, uh, Boston Pizza Cup in uh, Hinton. Aaron Slachinski Sl- wins it. He's the Alberta rep for the Briar. 
beats Kevin Cooey 6-3. Uh, when we come back, we will check in with David Alter from the Hockey News. Coming up right after the break, Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Fountain Tire is more than just tires. They offer a wide range of auto repair and services from their expert mechanics. Visit FountainTire.com to see all the mechanical services that they offer as we welcome in David Alter back to Sports 1440 from the Hockey News. Good morning, David. Are you tuckered out from the Super Bowl or everything duja dobre? Uh, yeah, I, um, I had a nice little Super Bowl get-together with some friends that I hadn't seen in a while, so, uh, it was, it was nice and good, and, and, uh, I woke up, uh, on the right side of it, so, um, yeah, no, no issues about here, how about you? Uh, yeah, same thing, kind of woke up on the right side of it, and, uh, not, I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I actually had some bets on the Chiefs, so that's kind of how everyone was looking at it. And uh, but uh, for you, you had uh, some good friends and friends' food and watching a little football. It's kind of like what John Madden always used to say. That's what it's all about. Yeah, I mean, I'm just glad I didn't have to plunk down money to go because <laughs> uh, it was expensive. And if the Detroit Lions were there, I would have been tempted. So, so Lions fan, Dave. Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't work out. But fortunately for them, that was a really great year. I, I have no complaints with how the year turned out for them with the expectations going in. Yeah, it was great to see the Lions do what they did, and hopefully they can even take it a step further uh, next year. David Alter from the Hockey News, our guest on Sports 1440. So Morgan Riley has an in-person hearing tomorrow with the uh, NHL Department of Player Safety. Where do you think this uh, goes? I mean, everyone says it could be upwards of six games because, but it's not. It doesn't have to be six games. Make that clear, just to uh, to our listeners. It's not a. It does. It's not a given that it is six games, but it just is an in person hearing. What do you make uh, of the whole situation, Dave? Yeah. Well. Okay. So it's true. It's not guaranteed, but it's more than likely. I mean, it's really hard to recall a situation where an in person p- uh, hearing was required and a severe suspension wasn't handed down. It gives them the option to do six or more. Uh, Immediately you look at it and there's comparisons drawn both from Leaf comparisons and from David Perron's incident with the Ottawa Senators earlier this year where he got six games. Mm -hmm. And it was also a cross check to the head, although the situation was a little bit different. So uh, you look at that, it's tough, um, but certainly, uh, they've got a situation where uh, I think the league might make an example out of him. And uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, if you're a Maple Leafs fan, uh, that's going to be, could be half a dozen games without your top defenseman in the lineup when you're already going through injuries. Yeah, it was funny, you know, watching it. I actually saw it, you know, live watching it. And then to hear the guys on the panel on Hockey Night in Canada, a guy like Kevin Bieksa said, wow, a couple games maybe. And now, you know, it gets to where it is. What's the reaction out there just in the last 48 hours or so, David? Well, people are upset. I mean, certainly, I mean, uh, there's a lot of criticism that goes the Leafs way that this isn't a tough enough team and they don't step up for one another and all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, how do you take that with what happened the other night? But then is that too far? It's it's a really difficult balance. The Leaf fans always feel like they're on the wrong side of it. And so, uh, yeah, it, it's just... Um, uh, it's just one of those situations where it's uh, kind of difficult to kind of reconcile if you're a Leaf fan because uh, 
Uh, I mean, I immediately look at my timeline. I look at Lee fans reactions. They, they show an incident where, you know, during the pandemic year, uh, Wayne Simmons got cross-checked in the head and nothing happened as a result of that. And so, um, it, it's tough. Like those are the type of things you kind of want to see out of the game, but you certainly don't blame Leaf fans for wanting to see someone stick up for themselves when an incident like that occurs is just did it go too far and that's really the issue here what's your gut here Dave what do you think he gets uh, I think it, it's going to be six I mean I don't see how it can't be six um, unless the appeal process is really good and they collect some evidence that uh, that that the Leafs are able to present to the NHL Department of Player Safety that they don't beforehand so um yeah it's um it's gonna be a tough one a tough call for sure i don't know i don't prognosticate one thing for certain is he's getting suspended there's there's been one or two incidents i can recall i think boston was one of the teams where a hearing was required and no suspension was given I can't recall a situation where an in-person hearing was required and no suspension was given. So, so a, a, a suspension of some length is coming. It's just going to be a matter of, is it, do they decide not to do it mm-hmm. six or more, or is it just going to be six? I think the borderline number is going to be six. It's what David Perron got. He had a clean record. Morgan Riley's never even been signed before in his 11 year career. Uh, and the injury didn't seem too severe. So those into account, I think you've got five or six games. Yeah, and it's just the the, the uh, point of the game and, and the you know the circumstance and everything. David Alter from the Hockey News, our guest on Sports fourteen forty. So what's this do to the Leafs, Dave? In the sense that uh, you know Toronto, Detroit is uh, tied with Toronto right now with sixty points. The Red Wings are here tomorrow to take on the Oilers. We'll do a deeper dive with that uh, with Mark Spector coming up at eight o'clock. But what is uh, Morgan Riley being out? Let's just call it a half dozen games. What's that mean to the Maple Leafs roster? Yeah, well, it's tough. It's really tough for them. I mean, they already don't have David Camp, who's been kind of day-to-day with an undisclosed injury. He's one of their best defensive forwards. Uh, And then they don't have Callie Arncroke, who's out week-to-week, so he's not back anytime soon. Mark Giordano has an injury that sounds like it's a little bit more than day-to-day, and he didn't play in that game against the Senators. And um, Connor Timmons was ill, but... You know, they had someone else go in there, and so now if Timmons is healthy enough, he's going to be or uh, over the flu. He's going to be the next guy up. But this defense has has been long criticized this year for needing some help, and the best defenseman on the team has been the most stabilizing in Morgan Riley. And so not having him could be catastrophic just because – uh, it's really been a bit of a mess. And this is a year where you look after this year that Brad Tree living, the new GM at least kind of wants to remake the defense. That's why you, you hear him involved in all kinds of trade rumors for acquiring particular defensemen. And so I don't know if this necessarily escalates anything, but the Leafs are going to need some short term help somehow. Uh, and they're going to have to just ride this out without their best defenseman. I don't. I'm very curious to go to practice later to say uh, later today to see what these pairs look like. David Alter from the Hockey News, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, David, so how much does this have a bearing? And then what Brad Terliving does here coming up to the uh, trade deadline in well three weeks coming up here? Yeah. 
I don't know if it's going to push him uh, to do something immediately. I mean, the big song and dance, according to the last little bit, is the fact that, you know, they do have a first-round pick, but they don't necessarily want to give that up just for a rental player. And and feeling like you're in a desperate situation certainly isn't going to help in terms of leverage. Uh, I do know that if they, they go rental, they want to get a couple of rentals or they want to kind of get someone that they can kind of extend and have term that comes along with that kind of deal. I don't know if this necessarily speeds that along. Like it's, if it does, it's not, it's not good poker from, from the Leafs GM because short term, I think the Leafs can ride this out um, depending on how long it is. But as you mentioned, you know, Detroit, they're right there in the wild card spot. Um, the NHL standings are such where uh, the Leafs can't afford to give up points like they did against the Ottawa Senators, now tied with the Red Wings for that uh, fourth-place spot, which is essentially a wild-card spot. And, um, you know, the Islanders are kind of nipping at the heels with a couple mm-hmm. couple points or four points back. That's tough. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, we're going to have to see. But the Leafs last year when they didn't have Morgan Riley played pretty well. But their defense is better overall collectively last year than it was this year. So um, if they can go by what happened last year when they didn't have Morgan Riley for a couple months, they were able to get some mm-hmm. some winning uh, games here. So I don't know. We'll see. David Alter from the Hockey News, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, around the league, Dave, is there a team or two that you are – um, thinking might be a little more active here in the next three weeks or so, or that you're kind of looking going, yeah, this team has, if they can just make a, a you know, a plug in place, uh, pick up a, a player or two uh, more than the other uh, teams, uh, anything come to mind for you, Dave? I don't know. It's tough. Like I have a different philosophy than most when it comes to changing your, changing up your team mm-hmm. um, and, and adding many pieces at the deadline. I don't think it necessarily puts a team over the edge. I think sometimes it has the ability to do more harm than good. Um, I look at what the Leafs did last year. They they added a lot of bodies at the deadline, and they really went for it. And I looked at the underlying numbers of how they played after the deadline compared to before, and they were playing worse. And so it didn't surprise me that the Leafs kind of crashed out in the second round the way they did because Florida was – playing better hockey down the stretch than the Leafs were. And that's what happened there. And so I look at the teams that had surprising hot starts and then they since added guys like the Vancouver Canucks. And I think to myself, okay, that's good, but are you doing too much too fast here and ruining the good dynamic that you have? Not necessarily saying that the good players don't improve your team, but it has the potential to change the dynamic of the team where the, the team actually plays worse instead of better. And so I have a different philosophy. I also cover the lease on a daily basis. Yeah. So I don't get to look around the league as much as I'd like to. So when I look at that, I just think if you're a team like the Canucks or, or another that had a hot start, you don't really need to do much. I think the teams are on the borderline of a playoffs. That, that feel like they're a couple pieces away, those are the teams that need to really do something big to kind of change their fortune. One last one for you, Dave Alter from the Hockey News. Uh, Alex Ovechkin, five straight games with a goal. There's some life in the old bear still. Yeah, uh, that's fun to see. Um, you know, I, 
I saw the beginning of that season. I thought to myself, oh, I don't want this to have a sad ending, like <laughs> where he's just kind of out there and he's not contributing and he's just out there for the record and then he doesn't get it anyway. And, you know, there's pride. There's like, he's an incredible player mm-hmm. and um, you want to make sure that if, if someone's going to break that record, it's going to be someone who's at their game. Now, granted, there's been years where he's missed games that weren't his fault, like the the – he played in Moscow Dynamo in 0405. He could have played in the NHL that year. There was no hockey. There was a lockout shortened season where he missed uh, like a potential 30 games where his goal total could have been higher. Uh, and of course, there's a pandemic shortened years that could have added to his goal totals as well in 20 and 21. Mm-hmm. So I would love to see him get it just because it'd be fun modern day record to kind of see. But not to go all back Toronto on you, I don't know how long that 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 record's going to last because I just look at the pace in which Austin Matthews is scoring and I think he has a really good ch- chance to challenge someone like Wayne Gretzky for the overall goals record with the pace that he's on right now with 42 goals in 49 games. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, Dave, thanks for your time. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, and uh, we'll talk soon. You got it. Thank you so much. That's David Alter from the Hockey News and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Head to FountainTire.com to check out their winter tire lineup and brand offerings. Of course, the Oilers had a day off yesterday. We'll be back at the practice facility at Rogers. Uh, Well, they'll be at Rogers, not at the uh, downtown arena, uh, community arena, but they'll be practicing today at 11 o'clock and getting ready for the uh, Detroit Red Wings tomorrow. And we will... uh, We'll go a, a deeper dive with Mark Spector uh, at 8 o'clock on the Oilers' uh, 4 nothing loss Saturday in L.A. and what they have to kind of do thing to kind of nip things in the bud here. That's that's the key phrase, I guess, when, you, when you're looking at the Oilers and, and what they need to do moving forward here. Uh, when we come back, we'll... Uh, Check in with Eddie Steele, our Friday co-host, and Eddie's going to make a special Monday uh, appearance to talk about the Super Bowl when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now to check in with Eddie Steele, our resident football expert. Good morning, Eddie. little change of pace, a little Monday morning action after Super Bowl Sunday. What do you think of the big game, big fella? Good morning, boys. You know, I was disappointed because I wanted San Fran to win, but ultimately what I was telling people was I just wanted to see a competitive game and uh, to see a Super Bowl go to overtime. I don't know how much more competitive of a game we could get. It was a pretty awesome, entertaining game. What did you think, Eddie? It just took a while to get going. Is, is it because of all the hype and the, the pomp, the circumstance and players and, you know, it just takes a while to kind of, uh, you're not diving in, you're just kind of sticking your toes into the pool. Uh, what's that element all about? Yeah, most definitely. Kind of feeling out the feeling out process and you don't want to show all your cards right off the jump. I thought San Fran came out and really was going to establish themselves in that run game. Uh, until Christian McCaffrey fumbled, mm-hmm. which didn't ultimately cost them. But, you know, I really – I was getting ready to text you and Duke there <laughs> to, to say, boy, looks like I'm a Nostradamus because mm-hmm. the defensive linemen were really getting after it, and they were setting the tone on both sides of the ball. Uh, and that was part of the reason why it was such a low-scoring game. Uh, lo and behold, though, you know, Patrick Mahomes does what he does and puts the team on his back, uh, not just passing it, but 
by running it and using his feet. And here we are. We're in the midst of a dynasty. Eddie Steele with us on Sports 1440. So as a, a former D-lineman, Great Cup champion, what did you think of the D-line play from both sides, uh, on both sides, the Niners and the Chiefs, Eddie? Uh, you know, in all honesty, Kevin, uh, I think Chris Jones, of course Patrick Mahomes gets the MVP because he's a quarterback and he's the face of the franchise, but this isn't a game and the Chiefs aren't there without Chris Jones and his impact. Hmm. He had so many plays uh, where he might not have made the sack or made the tackle, but he impacted the play. And his presence on the defensive line really kept this ball game close because he affected Brock Purdy on many different occasions. Uh, on the flip side, the San Fran D-line, I thought they were really, really physical and dominant early on. But then later in the game, uh, you could tell they really started to get tired. Their pass rush wasn't as effective. They still maintained their lanes. And um, um, Tony Romo was talking about this quite a bit yesterday on the broadcast. You know, maintaining your lanes, having Nick Bosa pass rush it with that straight angle, not to let the quarterback get outside of the pocket to run and be dangerous outside there. So I think overall, both defensive linemen did a, defensive lines did a good job. Uh, you know, I would have liked to see more out of Nick Bosa, mm -hmm. in all honesty. The guy is making a million dollars a game, essentially. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just would, would have liked to see more impact because he's supposed to be one of the best defensive ends in the game. And he got outplayed by Chase Young yesterday. Eddie Steele with us on Sports 1440. You, you mentioned that kind of fatigue factor, Eddie. Uh, as a, a bigger guy, a D lineman or an O lineman, how much does that come into play when you're technically playing another 15 minutes here? It really does come into play quite a bit because, especially on the defensive line, you're emptying your tank essentially every play if you're playing the position correctly because not only are you engaging in the battle, but then you should be going and chasing that ball and running after the ball wherever it goes to. So you're really, really depleting your energy. Uh, we're on the offensive line. It's a different ball game. They're not having to run as much, but they're still getting tired. It's still a physical battle. So come that overtime, man, I couldn't even imagine, especially with the adrenaline too, because that's a whole other X factor that we really don't even calculate. You can be in the best physical shape, but when you have the adrenaline of having the Super Bowl on the line, uh, potentially for some guys the last game they're ever going to play, for both teams the last game that they're ever going to be together as that team, mm -hmm. that just amplifies the adrenaline and that really makes you your energy depleted that much more. So, Eddie, I mean, three three Super Bowls in five years, you, you would consider this a, a dynasty like I think a lot of people are? Yeah, I don't want to. I really don't. But what is it? What would we consider a dynasty then? You know, because uh, do you have to win four of them in five or six years? No, if you're winning three Super Bowls over the run of five years, but you're still dominating over the two seasons that you don't win the Super Bowl and you're still getting to the AFC title game, mm -hmm. that, that's as dynasty as it gets. I don't know what more you have to do to solidify yourselves as one of the best organizations now in NFL history. Eddie Steele with us on Sports 1440. Uh, we were talking about it off the top, Eddie. You know, San Fran wins the coin toss in overtime. Was it a big, big mistake that the Niners took the ball right off the hop? Would you rather, as a, as a, say you were coaching, would you rather say, okay, Casey, you take the ball. We can dictate what we're going to do after we figure out 
what you do on that first possession. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree with you. You know, there, there's a certain confidence of wanting to get the ball first and go down and score and put the pressure on your opponent. There, There is a reason and a thinking and a philosophy there. But at the same time, you know, I love as a defensive player being able to go out stop them or limit them to a field goal so then we know on offense what we have to do to win this game uh but again there's a confidence there and i feel for kyle shanahan Mm -hmm. this guy's had so many kicks at the can and he's got to exercise these demons now because he's been involved in three super bowls that he's lost one as a coordinator two as a head coach and uh obviously he's got the stuff to get his team there and to equip his team but he's got to get his teams over the hill well here here's a stat eddie and i mean you don't want to look at the 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 past Super Bowls and and as you said as a a head coach and a a coordinator but in the last three that he's been a part of uh, his teams have been outscored 68-12 in the fourth quarter and overtime so that has to say something I would I would think when you're looking at the numbers but I always think it's hard to compare you know past Super Bowls past experiences Uh, but I, I saw some things yesterday that really kind of was like well having you know like just, when he's making his decisions, they're tough as a head coach. But is there something else that you saw that you would go, you know, and looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty again. Anything that caught your eye that you would have went, maybe he should have done something differently. Yeah, without a question, Kev. And it was the start of the second half. They came out and they passed it like sixty times, yeah. and their offense looked just inept to come out and start the second half. When in the first half they had decent. Re- but they had an established run game. And I was shocked that they didn't come out and pound the rock more in the second half, especially considering that they got Kansas City uh, to give the ball back on their first possession of the half. So that was huge that San Fran didn't come out, establish their offense in the second half because they really regressed and allowed KC to get into the game. And I really thought San Fran, especially uh, limiting them to a field goal to end the first half, Mm -hmm. I thought San Fran could have came out and really put their foot down a little more, played that physical brand of football that they were doing, because they were really beating them up on the line of scrimmage and moving that ball. Christian McCaffrey was having success, but they didn't go to that, and they went to the passing game, and uh, lo and behold, their offense started to sputter. Eddie Steele with us on Sports 1440. What did you make of the uh, Travis Kelsey going after Andy Reid uh, late in the in the in the first half there? Man, I, I was surprised. It's not a good look. Yeah. Not a good look. Not only you can lose your emotions and you can yell at each other, but don't get up on your coach like that. Don't touch him because we all saw that one hockey clip. Um, a few weeks back overseas where the coach grabbed the player and everybody's like, man, yeah, coach shouldn't touch a player ever. Well, neither should a player ever touch a coach. Mm-hmm. And especially, I don't know what it is, Andy Reid, he's got the, the old grandpa look to him. And I'm thinking, dang, man, what are you doing? Brushing up on him like that, making him kind of stumble over. I felt bad for Andy Reid. K-Fed just texts in, uh, Eddie, here's the... Uh... Uh, message. Uh, I felt the big mistake was after San Fran got that interception, they came out and just threw the ball multiple times. Do you think that would be a prime opportunity with all the momentum to start running it on them? And that's something that you did talk about, the fact that they did pass the ball six consecutive times. This is a big missed opportunity there? 
It was because it doesn't allow you to, A, run the clock to keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands, and, B, to establish drives. When you're passing the ball six times and they're all going incomplete, essentially, well, then you're stopping the clock, giving the ball back, and you're not getting first downs. The whole point of the game is you want to chew up first downs, mm-hmm. and Christian McCaffrey was doing a really strong job of that. I totally agree with that text that they went to the pass game a little too much, and they should have stuck with the run game because the run game was working for them. How about this, Eddie? At the end of the game, right before the Hardman touchdown, I mean, the clock was running down on the Chiefs. Should they have called a timeout? And it worked out for them. But had that pass not been completed in the end zone, now they're down to eight, nine seconds or whatever it was. They might have needed a little more time to execute something on on, on a couple of plays there. What did you think of that? I thought I, I was hoping I was the only one paying attention yeah. to the clock. Because, uh, yeah, I was shocked. It was running down. And the way that Tony Romo was kind of explaining the OT was you saying like there's going to be another quarter yeah like so it seemed like everybody was nonchalant like it was going to keep going oh no they needed to score Mm -hmm. and you could just tell it on that drive like Patrick Mahomes that's when the guy just turns into special Superman because he put the team on his back the the calls in terms of him using his legs to, to generate first downs to move that offense that's what special players do, and you might not like the guy, but you got to respect his game, and you got to respect greatness because that's what he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just for, like, if you wanted to kind of play devil's advocate, let's just say that that pass is incomplete or whatever. Now you've got a couple opportunities still, but now you have to think about, are we going to kick a field goal to extend the game? Which was, yeah. you know, uh, you know it, was, it was a big factor at that point. Uh, hey, Eddie, well, really... One second. Yeah, go ahead, Eddie. One yeah. other factor. Yeah. The special teams. The, the special teams were uh, a big issue now for San Fran. That mm-hmm. missed field or missed extra point was yes. everything because that wouldn't have been a tie game then at the end of the game. Plus, they had the punt, the fumble, and the punt. Mm-hmm. So teams weren't so special for San Fran. Yeah, we got a text in a little earlier from James. Uh, Kevin, what about the Niners missed convert? Big, big. And again, that that goes to how you are going to uh, do your game planning and, and, and everything like that moving forward. So uh, the special teams battle definitely was, uh, was lost by San Fran. Yeah, it was, and that's all three phases of the game. You know, I always joke about how kickers and long snappers, they're not really a part of the team. But shoot, when you make a mistake like that and uh, it's really magnified and everybody sees it, well, you're every bit a part of the team at that moment, buddy. I'll tell you too, Eddie, we had, uh, you know, in our fantasy football league, our our doopies, we had a little, all all the bets and everyone had the bets going, but we had uh, a bet where uh, a throwing touchdown from a non-quarterback was 28 bucks yes 28 bucks to lay down picked up a thousand on it how's that sound (laughs) as the duke would say that's just a little sprinkle eddie just a little sprinkle Uh, just a little sprinkle that helps the monday that's for sure (laughs) hey eddie thanks for uh, doing this really appreciate your insight It it was a fun game to watch and uh thanks for hopping on today have a good one big guy all right, boys. We'll see you later this week. All right. Take care. That's Eddie Steele. Uh, as we kind of broke down Super Bowl 25-22 KC over San Fran. When we come back, top of the hour, it will be Mark Spector. Back to his old, old slot. 
I bet Speck is just ecstatic about it. Uh, before that, time for uh, Sports 1440 update uh, brought to you by First Round. Boy, we were there yesterday down at 104. It was jam-packed. It was a good atmosphere. Uh, check out First Round. They've got tons of stuff going on. Uh, obviously, football is over, but First Round is your place to go to to watch Oilers hockey, to watch, uh, you know, they even had the golf on, obviously, yesterday. But check out First Round here in the mall or down at 104. Here is the Duke with a Sports 1440 update.